Welcome to Chattachesis. I'm your host, Deacon Matt Hallback, PhD, and I'm also a deacon of the Diocese of Des Moines, Iowa. I'm your host of Chattachesis, a podcast series for clergy that helps them find creative and fresh ways to share the gospel message and promote missionary discipleship. This episode is brought to you by the newest K-6 catechetical program, Christ in Us and Cristo in Nosotros. It sets the standard for faith formation in today's world. Check it out today at sadlyreligion.com forward slash CIU. We think you'll agree that this innovative program will change the future of catechesis. Welcome to another episode of Chattachesis. I'm your host, Deacon Matt Hallback, a deacon of the Diocese of Des Moines, Iowa. I'm also the executive director of Catechesis for William H. Sadler, and proudly so. Today's episode, I'm flying solo once again. Uh, we're going to be talking about Pentecost, all things Pentecost. And I think I'd like to start by saying Pentecost gets one day on the liturgical calendar. And I have to follow that up with the question, really? One day? For the sending of the Holy Spirit, which puts a nice capstone on the Paschal mystery. Just a quick refresher, we move through the suffering, death, resurrection of Jesus, then his ascension, and he ascends with a purpose, right? He does go to prepare a place for us, but he also goes so that the advocate can come, that advocate being the Holy Spirit, otherwise known as the paraclete. So everything about Jesus's mission and ministry seems to be culminating in this sending of the Spirit. Now you can say, well, without the resurrection and, or death and resurrection, we don't have salvation from sin. There's no pathway to heaven, all being true. But if you look at it teleologically, like what's the end game here? It's not for Jesus to just come and die and rise for us, right? It's that Jesus dies and rises ascends and in doing so imparts the Holy Spirit or he and the Father impart the Holy Spirit to the world. And uh, without that, <laughs> none of those other things really matter in the Paschal mystery. So they're all of one piece and uh, we, need to, we need to look at it as such. And so again, I go back to my question, Pentecost one day, can we not at least get a week's worth of celebration? A pretty significant feast day, if you ask me. Um, because it is, and we just have to accept it, this is how it is. This is the wisdom of the church. So that being said, um, how can we make this coming Pentecost more meaningful? What, what are some things that we can do uh, or maybe ways of thinking about uh, Pentecost, the actual historical act of this coming of the Spirit or Maybe we need a new Pentecost in our own lives. How do we live a life in the spirit, so to speak? Boy, these are huge topics that people have written tomes on and given seminars about. And we're just going to try to cover some of this uh, in a very brief and kind of tour de force fashion here in the next few minutes. But to have a meaningful Pentecost, one is to really understand the role of the spirit. And I think the spirit is probably the least understood. And I'm putting understanding in quotes here because we are ultimately dealing with ineffable mystery, but uh, we can kind of probe and, and pierce through that mystery with, you know, reasonable uh, deductions and things that, you know, things, inferences and so forth. But ultimately mystery remains mystery in that it's, it's rich. It's too rich for us to say, aha, I get it or I finally got my mind wrapped around it. There's no wrapping our minds around the Trinity, uh, the fact that it's one God, three persons. 
And as I said, I think that the, the Holy Spirit is probably the least understood person of the Trinity, probably because we have these wonderful, hopefully wonderful human examples. At least we have examples. You know, we also have bad examples of sons and fathers. But here we have the father and the son who are the excellent example. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, and the origin out of which we have uh, love, period, family, society, uh, male and female. As we go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and following, God made us in his image and likeness. So in that Trinitarian model, so to speak, we, we form a communion of love. We are complementary as human beings in so many ways. But we also have you know human examples of fathers and sons. And I think that's what makes it easier to to understand God the Father, God the Son. Again, for as much as we can analogize about God, there's also this infinite distance between the creator and his creatures. So that being said, uh, the Holy Spirit, there's really not a, a, a human analogy. There's not a, a creation analogy that we can draw upon to, to make reference to and say, oh yeah, the Holy Spirit, that's a lot like, and then fill in the blank. Now we do have, as we do for the Father and the Son, uh, the Son, we have the incarnation as the ultimate uh, reference point. We have various images of the Father in, in the Old Testament um, and in the New. Uh, Jesus certainly gives a new nuance to that fatherhood of God that we are, in fact, uh, sons and daughters of in a very direct and intimate way through bap baptismal adoption and through the Paschal mystery of Christ, which makes baptism possible. Um, but the Spirit in the Old and New Testament, there are a number of analogies. Um, we have the Spirit as wisdom. We have the Spirit possessing feminine qualities in the Book of Wisdom, referred to as she oftentimes. Uh, we have the Spirit as a dove. Uh, we have the Spirit represented as breath, as the Ruach, the creative breath of God in the creation stories of Genesis. We have the spirit represented as fire in the Pentecost event of the book of Acts. So there are a lot of images that we can draw on, but even though we have those images, it doesn't necessarily make the mystery of the Holy Spirit uh, more accessible, it, but it does give us some, some ways to talk about the spirit. So all this is to say, it is no surprise to me, at least, that Catholics kind of have a harder time maybe relating to the Holy Spirit than they do to the Father and the Son, or I should say Christians, not just Catholics. So what do we do about that? How do we get to know the Holy Spirit, which kind of leads me into to another big talking point, which is how do we live a life in the Spirit? I think, first of all, we begin by how we talk to God. I mean, oftentimes, and I'll pay attention, especially when someone decides to pray, um, who they talk to, how they address God during prayer. And it's not about, oh, they're praying the right way or the wrong way. It's just how, what persons of the Trinity do they choose to address? Most often in prayers, it's either the Father or it's Jesus. Very rarely do I hear the Trinity being invoked. Uh, and probably less likely or less frequently, I hear the Holy Spirit being invoked. Although we do have traditional prayers to the Holy Spirit, like come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love, etc. We also have some beautiful hymns, you know, Vene Creator Spiritu, uh, Vene Sancte Spiritu, which invoking the Holy Spirit, uh, hymns particularly used in uh, ordination and other liturgical ceremonies. 
Um, but praying, you know, everyday prayer, I don't know how often we invoke the Holy Spirit. And so that adds to kind of the, maybe the lack of familiarity with that person of the Trinity. But that's my first, I guess, word of encouragement uh, to grow and, and to start living a life in the Spirit is to become comfortable talking to the Spirit. So talking to the Holy Spirit can certainly be something we do extemporaneously, uh, but maybe a situation arises that that draws our minds and hearts to that particular person of the Holy Spirit. But in either case, to just use the name, you know, the Holy Spirit or the names that Jesus gives it as well, like the advocate, the paraclete, the helper, um, who will lead us into all truth, right? Who's there to advocate for us. Um, and, and then you think about the spirit and the name, the spirit, it pops up in our liturgy all the time, uh, not to mention in our, in our communal profession of the creed, but elsewhere in Eucharistic prayers, we hear about the spirit, particularly at the epiclesis and other moments, um, you know, of action, because it's the spirit that animates that action and makes these gestures and actions at liturgy, not only meaningful, but actually here's a, a great scrabble word efficacious so when we the priest raises his hands together above the gifts and and brings them in a downward motion over the gifts that epi, that epicletical act that's uh the holy spirit imbuing that act with divine power uh to make christ truly present uh under the appearance of bread and wine but starting start to address the holy spirit um thinking why how should we think about the holy spirit as we're addressing him well, we can certainly draw on those places in scripture where the Holy Spirit's referenced and pray about those verses and passages. They will then become more meaningful to us just over time. Um, but then also thinking about sort of the effects of the Holy Spirit. And by that, I mean, you know, the gifts, the traditional gifts of the Holy Spirit, the traditional fruits of the Holy Spirit, both of which are the gifts and fruits mentioned in scripture. And then we've come up with these nice uh, lists in our Catholic prayer traditions or our Catholic theological traditions of them. So to get more familiar with those gifts of the spirit, knowledge, wisdom, and counsel and fortitude and so forth, as well as the fruits of the spirit, like joy and peace and kindness, uh, patience, et cetera. So becoming more familiar with the effects of the Holy Spirit, I think will help us um, become more familiar with the giver of those gifts and the bearer of those fruits, right? So that's the first thing I think is to just familiarize ourselves with those particular things as we try to draw close to the Holy Spirit. Prayer is the way that uh, uh, we sort of activate the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives, or at least make ourselves open to the Holy Spirit. And knowing that the Holy Spirit specifically gives us gifts for living out our lives of discipleship, maybe beginning to think about what gifts we wish we had. Now, there are the gifts in, in that traditional sort of gift list that we get of the Holy Spirit. But um, Jesus is like, going to Jesus for me, there's not a big difference between going to Jesus and going to the Father. <laughs> um, and there isn't also with regards to the Holy Spirit. But because Jesus talks about the Spirit in that sort of intercessory role and the giver of gifts and uh, you know, the one who sort of sparks those first fruits of faith in us and, and leads us on our journey of faith, that really, in my, again, religious imagination, puts that spirit in the role of the spiritual spirit, spiritual companion, uh, the companion. 
Um, and, and, in, and in effect, what I was saying earlier about what gifts do you need, what fruits do you need, uh, how do you need to be companioned by God? And I think that's what it boils down to. And we need to be companioned by God the whole way, meaning our entire lives and beyond. But but um, to know how we need to be accompanied, I think, is critical. And we can ask the Holy Spirit to shed light on that. And why would we want to ask the Holy Spirit a, a question like that specifically? Because Jesus says that the Spirit leads us into all truth. And that includes the truth about ourselves and what we need, the truth about ourselves and how we need to be accompanied. So when it comes to living life in the spirit, it's not only getting more familiar with calling upon the Holy Spirit, it's not only getting more familiar with what the Holy Spirit does in in the economy of salvation, if you will, uh, but it also has to do with how do we allow the spirit to, to companion us on a very personal level. And I think all these things taken together really help us see uh, the Holy Spirit a little more clearly to, to develop some familiarity with the Spirit and to really ultimately appreciate the role of the Spirit more in our lives. Which brings me back to my first question about one day for Pentecost, really? When you look at what the Holy Spirit does, that it animates those first fruits of faith in us. Uh, without the Spirit, Scripture says, we can't call Jesus Lord. The Spirit activates that. It's a gift, uh, and we cooperate with that gift throughout our lives, or hopefully we do. And if we don't, it's the Spirit who brings us back to, to Christ in those sacraments. And again, the Spirit in Jesus working in, in such uh, integral ways that, that, that to talk about them as separate persons doing separate things, we're just limited by our language, really, because we're talking only about one God, ultimately. Uh, so just bearing that in mind as we talk about the role of the Spirit and uh, kind of juxtaposing that role with the Father and the Son. It's one God doing these things. But at any rate, I think this will help us appreciate Pentecost more and get more out of it and not just see it as an interesting moment in the life of the church. Or, um, yeah, that's when the apostles decided to finally leave the upper room and start spreading the gospel. Um, or that's just when I know, you know, it's one of those big days when, um, you know, the, the priest dresses up in red and <laughs> the sanctuary is covered in red uh, to, to represent the fire of the spirit. Well, all those things are wonderful, but ultimately it goes back to what sort of personal relationship do you have in this case with the Holy Spirit? So my prayer for you and for me uh, as we approach Pentecost is just to grow in that familiarity with the Holy Spirit to think about those fruits and gifts that he offers us, to maybe spend more time in a, in a sort of sacred reading mode or prayerfully reading scripture, looking at those places that describe the Holy Spirit, understanding the Holy Spirit as this great capstone of the Paschal mystery, uh, and then asking the Holy Spirit to show us, you know, as our spiritual the companion, how, how we need to be accompanied and to try to be a source of companionship for others. So here's to you, church, as we celebrate Pentecost. This has been another episode of Chattachesis with Deacon Matt Hallback. So glad to be with you, and we will chat next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of Chattachesis. Head over to sadlyreligion.com forward slash podcast to hear more. And don't forget to request your sample and trial of Christ in Us and our bilingual edition, Christo in Nosotros at sadlyreligion.com forward slash CIU.